Welcome to Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast inspired by the Puritan practice of godly conference, or spiritual conversations among believers. These spiritual conversations offer practical spiritual help for Christian living. Welcome to Ordinary Fellowship. I'm Jeremy Lee, and with me as always is my uh, slightly troubled co-host, Matthew McLaughlin. Hey, Jeremy. (laughs) Anyways, Matthew's slightly troubled because this is take two. Uh, we have technical problems, and we have to start over again. So here we are, uh, another podcast for your, hopefully, enjoyment and your edification uh, with Ordinary Fellowship. And if you like us, don't forget to like and subscribe, recommend it to family and friends, and we would also love if you'd give us five-star review on on apple i'm not sure if spotify because spotify is really the one that uh we go through for this i'm not sure if you can rate on there but if you can please rate us because uh, i know that gives us more visibility with all that out of the way um believe it or not uh the calendar says it's the week of thanksgiving although we're recording it the week of thanksgiving you're listening to it after thanksgiving even though thanksgiving is over we still always have reason to give thanks. So, believe it or not, Thanksgiving is here. It's past. Hopefully, you got some good deals on your Black Friday shopping, and you're now ready to for the Christmas season to begin, and uh, we can think about thankfulness today. Today, we're going to talk about cultivating thankfulness. In order to start our thoughts, I'm going to read from Second Peter chapter 1 beginning at verse 3, and I'll read the first, uh, I'll read verses 3, 4, and 5 for us to get started. The Word of God says here, His, speaking of God, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them You may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge. The list of things to add to your faith continues in the remaining verses, uh, but we just want to focus on verse 5 where it tells us that we're to supplement our faith with virtue. Thankfulness, gratitude is a virtue, uh, a virtue whose foundation is faith. And just to differentiate, gratitude is a disposition of the heart, an attitude, whereas thankfulness is that attitude being expressed outwardly. So you would have to give thanks verbally or in writing or in in some way. So gratitude is more of disposition of the heart. Thankfulness is speaking it out loud. There is a difference, but we're going to talk about cultivating gratitude, cultivating thankfulness. Either one is is a good thing to focus on uh, the week after Thanksgiving. This passage tells us that we're to add to our faith certain things, which means we start with virtue, Thanksgiving gratitude is certainly a virtue, though it's not mentioned in this list. 
We know that if for no other reason uh, than Romans chapter 1 teaches us that unthankfulness, a lack of thankfulness, is a vice that leads to many other vices. And so since its opposite is a vice, we can assume that it's it in and of itself is a virtue that we need to, add, as Christians, we need to add to our faith. Faith then is the foundation for that virtue, and we need to continue to add virtues like gratitude and thankfulness to our lives. In fact, the Heidelberg Catechism, we've mentioned this many times on the podcast, has a basic outline that can be summed up in three words, guilt, grace, and gratitude. We'll talk more about this in a little bit, but guilt tells us who we were before Christ. Grace tells us who we are in Christ, and that guilt and grace should encourage gratitude, which describes the Christian life. And all the things in the Heidelberg Catechism that are under that heading of gratitude have to do with living the Christian life. So then the Christian life is a life of gratitude or a life of thankfulness. So we can see that it's really central or critical. It's central to our faith. It's critical to add to our faith gratitude or thankfulness. This is no ancillary or side issue that we're talking about. It's a fundamental thing that we need to add to our faith as believers in Christ. And so today we want to help think through and talk about ways that we can cultivate that attitude of gratitude to use the cliche or thankfulness. So, Matthew, do you have any clarifications to add to that, corrections? or No, I just think one of the things we have to be aware of is, first of all, how vitally important it is to do it, and secondly, how easy it is for us to not do it, and that we far too often, I think, have the list of things we're thankful for, because growing up, I'm sure you've experienced this too, you have a testimony service, and you know what everybody's going to say before they ever start. Thankful for my family and my salvation. Right, and yet, <laughs> and yet there's so much more, which is why we want to spend this time talking it through, because... It's both good for us from to express it, but it's also good for us because, as Jeremy just said, it grows out of our faith, but it also deepens our faith at the same time. The way you cultivate any virtue is by increasing faith. As faith grows, so do the virtues. The virtue of thankfulness or gratitude is no different. Uh, we need to increase our faith. And the central thing for Christians to encourage their faith is to make use of the means of grace, public means of grace and the private means of grace. So if you want a real short, easy way of understanding what you need to do to cultivate grace, you need to be part of a good gospel-preaching church that makes use of these means of grace that we'll describe you, they need, also need to be, as much as can be done, the private means of grace need to be used as well. But central to being grateful and thankful is to be part of a gospel-preaching church. And I think as we go through these means of grace, you'll see why that's the case. Okay, 
So the first means of grace is the hearing of the Word of God, the hearing or reading the Word of God, or the preaching of the Word of God. We hear the Word of God when it's preached. We read it either when someone reads it out loud to us or we read it ourselves. But especially I want to focus on the preaching of the Word of God because we're talking about the public means of grace mostly to, to cultivate thankfulness. So the preaching of the Word of God does this because the Bible consists of both the law and the gospel. The law is given to us to reveal our sin. It uncovers the depth of our depravity. It's a mirror in which we see our true selves apart from Christ. And even believers in Christ continue to need the law preached to them because while we're not sinners as those who have no faith in Christ, we still have remaining sin that needs to be plowed up and dug up and exposed so that repentance can come. So the law is useful both for unbelievers and believers in that sense. Now, this isn't going to make you grateful to, most, <laughs> to have your sins uncover. It's very uncomfortable. It's, it's humbling, hopefully, if the Spirit is working in the law in your heart. It, it will be very uncomfortable and humbling to have your sin exposed. But the preaching of the word doesn't just consist of the law, it also consists of the gospel. The gospel is what offers us hope. The gospel, after the law exposes our sins, shows us the cure that's in Christ. It offers us comfort through forgiveness of sins. And as we embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness that comes in the gospel, this leads us to have a grateful heart because we've been exposed and we have seen the depths of our depravity before God and that God sent Christ for us and for our salvation so that we could have forgiveness. Knowing this depth of depravity and the height of God's grace in Jesus Christ fills our heart with gratitude and leads us to be thankful. This is why the Heidelberg Catechism is outlined in the way it is. Guilt, grace, and gratitude. Guilt corresponds with the law, grace corresponds with the gospel, and gratitude is the Christian life that flows out of that law and gospel. But we don't need it just one time. We need it continuously in our lives. We need, we need to hear the word of God preached in both aspects of the law and the gospel. And this will lead to a grateful heart and, and thankful praise to God. And that's why it's so vital that we don't treat Scripture just as a book, but that we spend time and we allow it to accomplish its purpose in our lives so that we can truly see our sin. Because another piece of this is those who are engaged and engulfed in sin usually are the least thankful because they haven't grasped who, what their sin is and the grace that God has provided to overcome their sin. Right. 
sin makes can make you bitter and hateful. Right. Uh, I can't remember exactly how this proverb says it, but it says the life of a sinner is hard. Right. Um, and and you know these are general rules, right? Because there's right. a lot of rich, comfortable sinners, <laughs> right, that don't ex- necessarily experience that. Um, so they're just general. They're not rules that this is always going to be the way it is. They're just right. general statements, right? But it, but gen- so but generally speaking, it's it's very difficult to sit and listen to the word week after week and not have your heart be driven towards a modicum of thankfulness. Right. You have to be hard as a rock <laughs> right. to not not be driven to that. So first the preaching of the word. And and this is central to all the other means of grace. Without the word, the other means of grace just turn into superstition. So the word of God is is going to be central. Uh, baptism is another means of grace. Uh, baptism, if if we're being baptized, points to this. But even if we're just seeing someone else baptized, we're reminded of our union with Christ. So union with Christ means what Christ experienced, we also have or will experience. Christ died for sin. We died with him. Christ was buried, our sins were buried with him. Christ was raised in newness of life. We've been raised in newness of life, and one day we'll experience in it full, in that in its fullness in the resurrection. So we're reminded of that great work of Christ. This we'll, we'll think more about when we talk about meditation, but you already see that baptism, a means of grace, is, is something to meditate on something to dig deeper into than just the surface level. It also shows us our forgiveness of sins that as we've been as we're cleansed by the water, we're we're also cleansed by the spirit of Christ and our sins are forgiven because of Jesus. So baptism points to these gifts of God. Baptism itself is a gift of God to point to these things for us and all to inspire gratitude. Communion especially, I think, is a reason to give thanks. Um, in fact, one of the words used not typically by Baptists, but some Christians use the term, the Greek term Eucharist to describe uh, the Lord's Supper or communion, and Eucharist means the giving of thanks. <laughs> of course, in the Lord's Supper, we're, we're con- we see the gospel acted out, that Christ's body was broken and his blood was shed, and that we partake, as we partake of that, we're, as we partake of it in faith, we're given spiritual life and nourishment for our souls. Comprehending what Christ went through for our sins and how he suffered is certainly a means to, cult- to cultivate thankfulness and faith <laughs> because remember as our faith grows our virtues will grow so we're tar- we're targeting faith because at, as we target faith these other virtues will be developed as well so we see that in baptism and communion in these ordinances or sacraments 
uh, these these means of grace encourage our thankfulness. Um, do you have anything to add to that? Just that we should approach the table with a grateful heart that is only more grateful as we go through it. And I think sometimes with communion, we can allow ourselves to just see it as this ritual that we do and not under, not comprehend it. And because we don't comprehend it, we miss out on the ability to increase our faith and by increasing our faith, deepening our faith, growing our gratitude. Right. Not only avoiding, not thinking of it as a ritual, but we sometimes and this isn't a criticism of anyone in particular, we sometimes fall into the trap of it constantly being somber right. and only a reflection on our sins. Right. When that's an appropriate theme to focus on with the Lord's Supper, for sure. But that's not the only theme. Right. One of the themes that we can reflect on is our thankfulness for Christ giving his body and blood for us and for our salvation. So it it ought to cultivate thankfulness in our hearts uh, and not just introspective, somber approach all the time. Right. So um, then, obviously, with Thanksgiving, probably the first thing we think of if we're thinking of church is singing. And certainly that's true. Sing, singing is one of the chief ways that we as a church give thanks uh, to God. Definitely we want to sing songs, <laughs> songs of thanksgiving, and and those will go along. You'll see as I talk about some of the subjects when it comes to meditation, you'll see that, that those songs give thanks for God, for, for his works, his creation, his providence, and his redemption. Uh, you're whatever hymn book you're using, um, assuming you're using a hymn book, that's, a, that's probably a bad assumption now, isn't it? Slightly. Anyway, their hymn books are filled with songs of thanks to God for those three works of his. Um, so certainly that's giving thanks. We, then if we, if we don't think of prayer we or singing, we think of prayer as in giving thanksgiving and and certainly prayer is the place to give thanksgiving and uh i i i typically when i pray i use the acronym acts so you it's adoration confession thanksgiving and supplication except i change it and put the thanksgiving at the end because in my experience when i pray the end is when i really feel thankful so I think I'm assuming what's happening. I don't have a you know a scripture verse that tells me that this is what happens. But when I reflect on who God is under adoration and I confess my sin and ask God to for things that I and others need, that my heart is filled with gratitude and I give thanks to him even if for nothing else that time in prayer that I just had. It's not Prayer is a place to give thanks, but I think prayer in and of itself cultivates thankfulness. It it make, shows your dependence on God 
and and you become thankful as you pray, at least in my experience. Right. I mean, just simply thinking it through, prayer by definition requires dependence because prayer is asking and we don't only we only ask for that which we don't have because if we have or have means to obtain we don't need to ask so by praying we it should naturally cause us to cultivate thankfulness as long as we don't allow ourselves to get into the habit of think, treating prayer as this just me laying petitions to God and just asking God to give me, and then here's my list of 27 things that I need, but rather like you talked about going through that acronym or something like that. And then when it comes to singing, you go all the way back to the first hymn book, the book of Psalms, and you see how the writer there cultivates thankfulness. And we can continue to do that as we sing both in Sad songs, happy songs, upbeat, melancholy, all of it cultivates thankfulness because it demonstrates and it declares who God is and it reminds us so that we can then express that and those thoughts then leads to, I think, where we're headed, causes gives us opportunity to meditate and cultivate that thankfulness. Right, and one of the, the song, Great is Thy Faithfulness, is based on a passage that's in the middle of a lament. Right. In the middle of one of those melancholy poems mm-hmm. in Scripture. You're right, Thanksgiving isn't just for the psalms that are seem upbeat and happy. Uh, Thanksgiving, except for Psalm 88. That's yeah. a weird one. Right. That one ends as darkly as it began. Right. <laughs> That's not usual. Usually the psalms have Thanksgiving in it, but and even... The lament of lamentations is you get a song like Great is Thy Faithfulness from it. So uh, let's spend uh, the rest of our time talking about meditation. And meditation, we're not talking about transcendental meditation where you try to empty your mind and become one with the universe. That's garbage. We don't do that. (laughs) This is true. You shouldn't do it either uh, because it's not Christian. It's it's pagan. Correct. So, we are talking about Christian meditation. Christian meditation involves thinking about, reflecting on things, stuff. Okay? The reason why we would think about these things or meditate on them is to encourage faith, to encourage virtue, to encourage thankfulness. And so so we meditate on these things for those purposes. Now, most of this, what I'm going to talk about, comes from our pastor's sermon a few weeks ago uh, on Psalm 145. Let me mention the verses that he mentioned. So, Psalm 145, I'll just read verses 1 through 3, and then verse 5. Psalm 145 says, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you. And praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. So, one of the points the pastor made in that sermon is that God's greatness is unsearchable. So, in reflecting on and thinking on 
who God is and what he's done, we never come to an end. You're never going to arrive at a full knowledge of God. You're never going to say, I've searched him out, I know everything, I have it all mapped out. And he used that as an encouragement to search God, to search who he is and what he's done to the deepest depths that you possibly can. And then, of course, verse 5 tells us to meditate on his works. And so I'm not talking so much about who God is, though that's worthy of our meditation as well, but thinking about his works because of the season of Thanksgiving, uh, because of the holiday of Thanksgiving. So first, catechism actually divides God's works into two, but I do three. Uh, the catechism div- says has creation and providence, and one aspect of providence is God's redemption. But I always u- keep it separate, so there's creation, providence, and redemption. So under the heading of creation, we meditate on God as creator and the things that he has created. In the fall, we see the beauty of the trees changing color. The pastor of the day, he preached this sermon, mentioned the snow that had fallen and the beauty of the snow, although I have some struggle with that. <laughs> I don't mind the snow. It's the getting dark early and terrible weather. A little bit of snow on the ground, that's fine. Anyway, I obviously have some gratitude and thankfulness to work on. <laughs> We, so we think of God's creation. We, the trees, uh, the color of the trees in the fall is just beautiful. Uh, the warm air in the summer. Uh, the, you can consider God's creation from the deepest depths of outer space to the smallest quantum level that human beings are capable of getting, and anywhere in between there. We can meditate and think on God's creation. And, and really, scientists were were meditating on these things rightly, that it would lead them to praise God uh, rather than to question his very existence. But that's another topic for another day. So we consider creation and any aspect of God's creation. If you love cats, you can reflect on God's creation of that creature. And I'll save my <laughs> negative comments for some other time. We can also meditate on God's providence, and and God's providence is his continual governing and preserving of his world. So everything, God upholds the universe and, and continues it. So, for example, people like to call the birth of children miraculous. Birth of children isn't really miraculous. That doesn't mean that God isn't involved, though. God works through normal means. The union of a, of a, hus- a mother and a father, a husband and wife, creates this child in the womb, and the God works through these natural processes to bring about this life. God didn't directly create your child like he created Adam, but God was providentially working to knit your child together in the womb, just as Psalm 139 says. So it's like creation, but it's it's a different thing. God created in six days. Those six days are over with. God's no longer creating. All What he's doing is continuing to uphold his creation and provide all it needs 
for its continuance and preservation. And one of the things I always like to talk about in this regard is the doctrine of vocation uh, around Thanksgiving. So if you're thinking about the Lord's Prayer and it being a model prayer, most people will probably say the petition that's most difficult to pray is forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It's not difficult to ask forgiveness for our sins, but it is difficult to ask God to forgive us just like we forgive every other person. That's not fun. However, I think in our culture where there's so much prosperity that one of the hardest prayers to pray, the hardest petitions to pray in the Lord's Prayer is give us our daily bread. Because most of us know where our da- that our daily bread is in the cabinet, has in has been in there since we last went to the since we last went to the store. And if we run out of our daily bread, we'll just go over get in our car, go over to the store, and buy the daily bread that we need for the next week or so. Unless of course there's a blizzard, then everybody panics and buys their daily bread for two, three weeks and everybody runs out. But anyway, prepare for that, Matthew. It's winter's coming. <laughs> okay. If we understand the doctrine of vocation, we see that God is even working behind the scenes to bring our daily bread to us. It doesn't matter whether the person is a believer or an unbeliever. God is working through the farmer to to plant and harvest, and then he takes it to the grain bin. They transport it to the places that make our food and distribute it to us, and then the people that are putting the food on the shelves, the cashiers that are helping, well, or the <laughs> the no cashiers, maybe maybe we could say the people that made the cashierless checking checkout places at Walmart, or maybe you go to a cashier. Either way, God is working in all of that to put your food on the table for this Thanksgiving and every day. When you go to the checkout lane and the lines are long and you're grumpy because of it, remember that that person at the cashier, the cashier there at the register is a mask of God. She's do, she or he is doing the work of God, even if they're not doing it consciously. They're being used by God to give you your daily bread. I think understanding how God works, even in in this, by with a trucker going down the road um, in order to get your food to the store that you're going to, if we understand that God is working in each and every step of the how your food got to the place it did, this will help cultivate a thankfulness in our heart to God. Because we're removed, most of us aren't farmers, and we're removed from our dependence on rain or not getting too much rain and the weather being warm enough or cool enough um, for plants to grow. So we're not seeing that cycle like people in past generations are. And so we become, because we're removed from it, this, I think, leads us, not only our prosperity, but the removal from the whole process leads us to not be as thankful because we don't see God working like a farmer would see God working when he sends the rain at just the right time or the sun at just the right time 
so that the crop will produce a bountiful crop. So I think this is really important to understand and maybe will help help us to treat uh, cashiers and people that work at the grocery store a little better during the holiday season if we see them as the mask of God providing for you your daily bread and what you need. And the others behind the scenes as well that you may not see directly. So the doctrine of vocation is important for that. Um, and then finally, and I'll give you a chance in a minute, Matthew, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> Time's getting away. But finally, we can reflect on uh, redemption. And here, to be quick, we can focus on Christ's offices as prophet, priest, and king. We can focus on his states, which is his um, humiliation and his exaltation. His humiliation is everything that Christ suffered while he was a man, and his exaltation is everything that shows his glory, beginning at his resurrection to his current session at the right hand of the Father. We can think about every aspect of our salvation, God's electing of us in time past, the Spirit regenerating us. When we had faith in Christ and were justified, we've been adopted into God's family, God's work of sanctification that is continuing in us to make us more holy every day. And then, of course, and we did we actually did two uh two podcasts on thinking about our glorification or thinking about heaven. Um thinking about heaven will certainly encourage your thankfulness. So if if you don't have any other resources to go to to reflect on our future glorification in heaven. I recommend the uh, two two podcasts we did a few months ago with my friend Seth Miller thinking about heaven. And the, the podcasts are just called Heaven One and Heaven Two. Not, not that there's two heavens, but there's two episodes about heaven. Uh, if that doesn't get you going, then you need, <laughs> you need to ask some serious questions about your heart. So... All right, Matthew, I've talked for a long time. Do so, you have any corrections? No corrections. I think that going back to, as you were talking about the doctrine of vocation, just as an example, I think broadly speaking, the way in which we cultivate thankfulness is by striving to see God's grace in our lives, not simply in broad, big ways, but in the thousands of little ways, it shows up every single day. And the the things that we so easily overlook and we assume and and we just say, well, that's just the way it works. And we forget that going back to, as you were talking about in Providence, that God's upholding the whole universe back to Colossians 1. And that because of that, then we can have our hearts enlarged in thankfulness because we begin to see a better picture of who God is and how God is orchestrating the world to accomplish his purposes for my good and for his glory. And I think that ultimately what happens is, is one of the ways in which we become unthankful is because we, one, we assume way too much, and two, 
we simply are so busy, we don't take the time to meditate and to think and to consider who God is and what God has done in our lives and how God consistently provides for us. I think what you said is perfect. I would add, though, that it's not just thinking about how God has worked in our life, right? but seeing Christ in others Correct. as well. Right. Even if they're not believers, because God is working through them. We can talk about that more at a later time, but I think that's Im- I would wholeheartedly agree that, that God is orchestrating everything to, to accomplish what he's seeking to do in our life, and he's using other people to do it just as much. The, the one caveat I want to make sure we get is there's no thankfulness hack. There's no simple way to make this happen. It's it's the daily grind of the... It's forcing ourselves to habitually decide that today I'm going to look for God's grace in my life because I want my faith to increase because I'm desiring that virtue to grow. And so I'm going to take part of the means of grace and I'm going to meditate on it. And then over time, it happens. It's not like one day I'm not going to wake up one day and go, today I'm thankful from now on. And I think sometimes that's what we think. We're just going to be thankful today. I thought our podcast was the magic switch that would turn on thankfulness. If only it would. <laughs> I, I think what you're saying, we can also we can go back to what, what we were talking about with the law and gospel. If you're not thankful, and and <laughs> all of us can, in one degree or another, are not thankful. Right. We that The law exposes that, and there needs to be repentance. But there's forgiveness in Christ. And guess what happens when you see your sin and find that forgiveness? Your heart's filled with gratitude, and you give thanks to Christ. Right. So... Returning to the, if you're hearing what we're saying and and saying I am so profoundly unthankful, that's good. Know that there's grace in Christ for forgiveness, even for that. Right. And may your heart be filled with thankfulness because of what Christ has done to forgive your thanklessness. Right. And mine too. Right. So as we come to the close today strive for thankfulness by engaging in the means of grace and meditating upon God's provision through creation, providence, and specifically redemption. We thank you for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast ministry of Two Rivers Community Church. For more information about Two Rivers, you can find it on our website at www.tworiverscc.org. We look forward to your questions, your comments, and even that dreaded hate mail at ordinaryfellowship at gmail.com. Please follow us on Facebook at Ordinary Fellowship and like, subscribe, and rate this podcast on whatever service you listen to us on. But for now, we want to thank you once again for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship, where we are striving to have spiritual conversations for practical Christian living. <laughs>